0: What is going on, everybody? I hope you all are having a fantastic day so far, or a fantastic night so far. Whenever you listen to this, I hope you are doing well. Welcome to another episode of The Best of the Best Maverick's Guide to Success. I am your host, Maverick Levy. If you're new here, thank you. If you're not new here, thank you as well because you have came back to listen to yet another episode to not only listen to something that's entertaining but educating but you are helping yourself you are getting that extra step or leg up against whoever you're competing with in essence we're all competing with each other and i think that's something that's important to understand but we're also competing with ourselves we always want to be the best versions of ourselves that we can be so every day you wake up you become a better version of yourself than you were yesterday ben baller shout out ben baller he talks about that a lot on his pod kind of signs off with that. So something I always like to keep in the back of my head too that I wanted to bring over here and talk about for just one second. We have a very fantastic episode lined up for you all today. It is one that I think is going to be very educating. It's one that is kind of one of those gray areas that's not talked about too often that sort of may seem like shady and I'm going to bring it to light. We're going to talk to a great guest. He's going to explain everything, what he does for a living, how he does it. Before we get into all of that, I want to talk to you all about working hard. It's important to work hard. It's important to have a great work ethic. And I think it's something that's lacking in today's generation. When I say today's generation, I mean, let's call it 25 to 28 and under. I think that there are a small percentage of people that do want to work hard, but never be comfortable where you are. Because the second you get comfortable where you are in life, in my opinion, is the second that you're starting to to sort of fail yourself. So always be pushing, always be working hard. And please remember, everyone, if you want to interact with this show on a different level, there's a few ways. The first way is you can visit the website. TBOTBpod.com. On the website, you can do numerous things. So check it out. Maybe while you're listening, go on Safari. If you don't have an iPhone, uh, I don't know how to feel about that because you have green text messages. If you do have an iPhone, go to Safari, type in TBOTBpod.com, mess around with the website, check it out. And then if you are on social media, which I assume a lot of you are, you can check out the podcast pages on pretty much any social media platform. LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the handle, I guess that's old school saying, or the username is at tbotbpod. pod. On there, you see little short clips, some of the best conversations, I think, from each episode, maybe some hidden gems on there too. You can put a face with the voice you're hearing. You can also comment, DM, let us know what you think. And please don't forget to be subscribed to the show. When you're subscribed, it not only helps us, and when I say us, I mean myself and the people that produce this over there at DB Podcast. So shout out Ben, Miles, and Jordan. But it's also good to see A new episode goes live, it pops up on your phone. You can sort of interact with it. You can leave a rating. I heard Spotify is doing ratings now. So if you are listening on Spotify, please leave a rating. I don't know how the rating system works for podcasts because I don't listen to too many on there. I'm more of an Apple guy. But nonetheless, thank you all for listening, however you listen. And just real quick, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. As always, please, please, please remember, Any discussions you hear on this podcast are for educational purposes only. I cannot predict and do not guarantee that you will attain a particular result from the information provided. You should always seek professional assistance before making decisions in connection with the topics discussed. Now that I got the disclaimer out of the way, everyone, I would really like you to get into a mood or a zone where you can focus in on this episode because I think if you are of the younger generation, right, that 25 to 28 and under, like I talked about for work ethic, this episode is very important to listen to. So let's jump right into this week's interview. On today's episode of the best of the best, Maverick's Guide to Success, we have Karam But. He is the CEO of Credit Repair Source. I actually found him through a Moda Facebook group. So shout out to the Moda groups. They're always amazing and connecting me with the best of the best people. So I want to let Karam introduce himself, tell you about what he does for a little bit. But before we get into that, Karam, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Hey,
1: thank you. Doing good, doing good. A little hard to get in my office, but other than that, all good.
0: Yeah, he was having some technical difficulties with his key card, but... You know, there's always something, right? It's never easy process. Always something coming up. What I want to do for this interview. So for those of you listening right now, on episode 21 of season one, this is season two, just so you know, on episode 21 of season one, I had the VP of consumer lending. Her name is Alicia Forrest. She is a VP of consumer lending for a rather large credit union throughout the country. And she pretty much broke down the basics of credit, what credit is, how from a banking credit union union perspective they look at credit and they pull credit but what you do is really credit repair so before we go to the in-depths of what credit repair is and you know some people may think it's a scam and what is credit repair I just want to give you the floor for a few minutes to talk about what you do how you got into this and how you guys function as a business
1: Actually, my main line of business, I operate a finance firm. So I started this credit repair company, I guess, within that, the first original company. So basically, you give out loans to small businesses and the businesses that didn't like their approval or got declined. I basically thought of, you know, it'd be a great idea to start a credit repair company so then we can send them over to the credit repair side, fix their credit, and then they could come back. It's like a one-stop shop almost. So during like basically the pandemic is when I was really sitting there And it was me and, you know, this girl at the time. And uh, we're like, you know, because I wasn't really working. No one was really working. You know, when all doors were shut, like, not a lot of people could go in their office, like, and any of that stuff. So I thought of, you know, credit. I'm like, look is a bad timing, you know, for everybody really. And a lot of people are probably going to have banged up credit. And it's not like, oh, let's take advantage of these people. Cause you know, if I don't do it, someone else will not take advantage, but I'm saying as far as like help them through the you know tough time everyone's having, you know, people are going to miss payments, this and that. So that's where we kind of started the credit repair business. So not only will It helped from my main line of business. I can get the leads from there also from, uh, what do you call it? You know, like during the pandemic side, that's really where I thought of the idea. So it's almost like a doctor position where, you know, you're fixing people's credit. I'm not like banging people over the head. You know, all I'm doing is trying to help them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I always talk about change throughout every episode of the show almost there's some that I don't but I talk about change in a way where this is an educational podcast so we talk about business we talk about lifestyle we talk about a few different things but I always bring it back to education And with that being said, you talk about what you were trying to do during the pandemic. And I think that sets you aside from a lot of other people, right? During the pandemic, I created the podcast. During the pandemic, you created the credit repair company. And why I say that's important, not to get too off track from the main topic, which is credit repair, I always want to show the listeners that are of a younger generation how important it is to adapt and change with the times. Karam saw an avenue that... He knew was going to be profitable, I'll use that word, but also helpful for those in need of his services. So instead of sitting around and collecting, you know, stimulus check after stimulus check, even though he might have done that. He created a business. He created an opportunity for himself to put food on the table for himself and his family. And he took that empty time where nothing was happening and turned it into a business. And now he's sitting on the best of the best because everyone and their mother from a Moda Group standpoint referred to Karam as the credit repair expert. And I think that's important to say. So I just wanted to put that out there, Karam. That's amazing. So kudos to you. Hats off to you for not sitting around during the pandemic like the majority of people did. I think that, you know, we saw the difference between people that were really motivated and dedicated and driven and those that were okay with just sitting at home watching Netflix and playing video games and just relaxing. So, you know, hats off to you for being that that difference maker and taking that unwalked path.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, diamonds are formed under pressure. So, you know, same thing with this, like this business, it basically came from when everything was like rock bottom you know no one knew what was happening it was a time where there was peak uncertainty like just like everyone's like all right guys like you know we're closed and then everything was closed and then at that time it's really when I needed to figure something out otherwise I would uh call the dust or I don't know what the saying is but you know yeah No, I I totally understand what you're
0: saying. So let's dive into this topic of credit repair. So to give you my background, even though I gave it to you a little bit off recording. So I do a few different things. I just turned 23 years old. I'm a young guy, but my family, I'm third generation in my family's tax resolution business. So we are the people you see on commercials, on the radio that say, you know, settle for pennies on the dollar. We're the largest family owned tax resolution firm in the country. What we do is is people come to us, they owe the IRS, they owe the state, you know, it could be anything, anywhere from twelve to fifteen thousand dollars to twelve to fifteen to twenty million dollars. Really? It just depends on the person. Yeah. So with that being said, you know, we see sometimes when the IRS puts a lien out on a property, it can come up on a credit report that there's a lien from the IRS and it causes for chaos when they're going to buy a car, when they're going to do certain different things that they need financing for. So people are always asking us about the credit repair business. And now I have a great person to refer them to. And before, you know, I was kind of in the dark about credit repair, to be honest with you. So I didn't know much about it. I still don't know much about it. Obviously, I've done my research to have this interview. so you know i think when people think of credit repair and i think this is because of you know 10 years ago where you know we were going through this time of foreclosures and whatnot and credit repair was sort of sometimes like a scam business Mm -hmm. you would see people in and out of the business starting and closing how is credit repair possible how is it not something that's shady how is it not something that's gray and fuzzy but it's black and white. How is that possible?
1: See, where do we start? So, I mean, it's very, very simple. Like a lot of times when people message me, they'll say, hey, how much to delete this? It's not delete. We have to dispute things. So basically me and I have attorneys that work for me. All we do is dispute negative items under like the FCRA. It's a federal credit reporting act. So like, let's say sometimes, not sometimes, but a lot of times credit bureaus report inaccurate information as in I don't know, it could be names, accounts, addresses, socials. Sometimes there's even two, three variations of socials on there. And that can reflect negative information on your report and cause you to get bad approvals or not even get approved. So it's not as far as just delete. You know, a lot of people say, hey, how much to delete this? I don't only do like credit repair. I do credit consulting as well. So um, basically when someone comes to me, this is how it kind of starts. Someone comes to me and then we start off by me saying, hey, we can schedule a consultation And then within the consultation, I really have their credit report, you know, from the bureaus. And then from there, I dig deep from A to Z on their whole report, and then... We go over all the negative items they have, and then I kind of give them a breakdown on how the dispute would work, how long it would take, and it's just me disputing it, and there's obviously a lot of uh, dispute methods. I can't really give them up because, you know, that's my business, but basically we would just dispute them, and our leverage is kind of the Federal Credit Reporting Act basically says that they have to report accurate information, and there's like a lot of little uh, loopholes, like, you know, maybe they reported something um, late or maybe it feels paid off and they're still reporting it. So that way, not all disputes are successful. That's what everyone needs to know as well. It's not like, you know, after hearing this podcast, someone can go out and and just start missing payments. They're like, look, I could just call Karam up and he'll delete everything. It's still, um, you know, a pretty long process, but it is possible. You know, impossible is hard, but it's not Impossible. Yeah. And that's very
0: interesting. And I like that you add in there, you know, it's not always possible. That's the same thing in our business, right? People see those ads on TV where someone owed 150,000 and they settled for 500 bucks for pennies on the dollar. And that's not always possible. And I think people don't always understand that part of whether it's your business or whether it's my business, but it's important for them to hear over and over again. I think we need to glue that into some people's brains for sure. So someone comes to you and they have something on their credit. You go and you dispute it. What is that? You said it's a lengthy process, but on average, what is that time period? You know, is it a year, a few years, six months? What's that time period it usually takes if you are able to successfully dispute something on someone's credit?
1: well it really varies honestly it varies on what item like it can the items can be anywhere from like a bankruptcy a repo a late payment like late payments they can be anywhere from, uh, it could be five to like eight months approximately to see results. Like it can win in that time frame, or we can lose. But typically, especially the end of the year, like if someone started to like came to my company now and wanted me to get started, this would be like the worst time. I mean, there's no worst time to get started, but this would be like the slowest time to get started because, you know, everyone is buying last minute things for tax write-off and all the stuff has to get reported. So all it is, is the credit bureaus being backed up at the end of the year and it just takes longer for yeah. stuff to to start reflecting and showing. But it can be anywhere from like hard increase can take me max two weeks, which is amazing. And then the longest thing can take me if it's a bankruptcy, it can be anywhere up to like a year, year and a half. But that's like bankruptcy is like the absolute hardest thing to get removed.
0: So when you say removed, I want people to understand this, Ingram. A lot of the listeners that listen to this Podcasts, they're of that younger generation, whether they're late in high school, early in college, just graduated from college. So a lot of them might not have the experience or the knowledge or the wherewithal to understand what we're talking about. So I like to break things down into simplistic terms and simplistic analogies. So when you talk about, let's take bankruptcy, for instance, and I've had a very reputable bankruptcy attorney come on the podcast and I've interviewed him. He's very prominent in the metro Detroit area. But when you say remove a bankruptcy from someone's credit, in your essence, you know, successfully remove that in the year, year and a half timeframe, what does that mean that you're able to take that off of the credit report that someone is going to run if they're going to finance things, what does that actually mean?
1: So it just means, and I mean, bankruptcies are a terrible example for this, but basically all I would do is there's like a billion different steps that go into it. I would say maybe like a late payment would be like a simpler. Yeah, uh, let's like use a, a different example. Let's say if it was uh for the younger generation, hard increase is the simplest. So basically when you go to apply for something like a car, or house, these people are pulling your credit report and just so they could view and look at everything. And once you start getting more than four to five hard increase, lenders will start declining you for having too many increase. Like for example, Chase has a 524 rule. I don't know if it's 424 or five. 24 before it used to be four i think it might be five now but if you have five hard increase in the course of two years meaning 24 months they start declining you for having too many increase because it shows that you're inquiring too many times in a short time span and you're acquiring for funds you know have it be a car house loan and then that makes it high risk for them and then let's say even if they still do approve you after that they might give you a higher rate Or sometimes they'll just end up declining you because you come off as higher risk. So as far as getting that removed, I basically dispute it with the credit bureaus. And um, I have different dispute reasons that I kind of give to the I dispute them with the creditor, meaning like let's say if Chase Bank pulled your credit, I not only dispute it with them and kind of have to. Convince them to remove it and give them a valid reason to remove it and then I also do the same thing with the credit bureaus so both of them are on side to get it removed off their credit report and basically along those lines it's with anything so let's say if someone's a little bit younger right to give you an example my last client when he was younger he had a credit card and then he went to germany for like a few months and then he totally even forgot that he had a credit card he had a balance he came back and boom now he has like six months worth of late payments that he was totally um, clueless like he was too young to even care anyways but now he's a lot older and He's like, look, I was younger and I had this problem. And he's like, hey, I'm like, what can we do to fix this? So now the process for him to get this fixed with me is I have to dispute it with not only the creditor, I have to dispute it with the credit bureau as well. And as long as both of them like my dispute reason, which they can be three, four, five failed disputes till I finally like give up. Because at that point, it's like talking to a wall. But the dispute reasons, it's almost like you can compare it to, I don't know, what's like a really bad reason someone could go to court for? We could call it a DUI. Yeah, like like a DUI, like like someone where you know you're clearly wrong. But if you have a really good attorney, that attorney will find a way to get you out of that. And it's not the attorney doing anything shady or anything like that. It's just the attorney knows what he's doing and he kind of knows how to maneuver through certain things. That's basically like to simplify credit repair. That's all it is. It's like imagine you commit a really bad crime All you need to do is have a good attorney that's kind of backing for you and is experienced in your field. And chances of you getting out of it are a lot higher than if you were to pick a public defendant to come in with you and have him, you know, kind of be your guy to help you get out of that.
0: Gotcha. Now, that is a great analogy. Thank you for using that and, you know, trying to help the listeners understand in layman's terms. What the credit repair process can be. And what I want to talk about next is you bring up credit bureaus. And I kind of want you to, in your way, you know, if you can in layman's terms, that's great. However, you feel is best. Explain to the listeners what the difference between the creditor and the credit bureaus are and how many credit bureaus are and the different roles that they play if you'd be willing and able to for
1: sure so there are three credit bureaus there's experian equifax and transunion those are the bureaus all these bureaus do is they just report stuff like they report let's say if you bought a car and you make a car payment that car payment will show up on all three of the bureaus there's nothing to be scared of As long as you don't miss any payments, you know, but three bureaus, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, and a lot of these bureaus have a terrible reputation of reporting incorrect information. That's why you should always go on one every student, kid, adult, anyone should have an account for all of them, it's free to sign up for. You want to sign up for an account for all three of the credit bureaus, just so you can monitor your credit all the time. I feel like, you know, just like how people check their bank account, everyone should check their credit score. It, it's almost like a bank account if you think about it. You know, if you have no money in the bank and you have a high credit score, you have money in the bank now, you know? Yeah, That's exactly. kind of like the beauty of having good credit. So you want to sign up for a account for all three of these credit bureaus, just so you can monitor them. And then what the creditors are, Creditor is just someone that reports something to the bureau. So like, let's say you have a Chase Bank credit card, Chase Bank, in that idea would be the creditor, the person that's reporting your payments to the credit bureaus. Got it. Let's
0: say, for instance, to use an example, American Express is a creditor, correct? correct? correct.
1: American Express is a creditor, and American Express will report to the credit bureaus as in Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion.
0: What's the craziest story that you have about, in essence, removing something from someone's credit? Is there the craziest story that comes to mind when I say
1: that? Craziest stories definitely had to be like defaults. Like people defaulted on... Like hundreds of thousands of dollars Like on unsecured loans Or just like maybe personal loans And some people, it's crazy I mean, you know, no offense to anybody But like some people I've seen have multiple bankruptcies Like it's kind of crazy how that's even possible And then they come to me to fix them Which is completely okay But yeah, some people have like multiple bankruptcies That's crazy to me You know, one bankruptcy is pretty crazy to me But to have multiple personal bankruptcies in your lifetime Business I get, you know, if your business doesn't work out You know, boom, you file for bankruptcy but for personal bankruptcies, like I, I've seen like several personal and business, but those have to be like the craziest. But the craziest success stories that I have to say is I had this one girl when I first started too, and which is like pretty miraculous of me to even get that done. But then that kind of gave me more motivation to like really put my head down. I'm like, look, this is the start of something great. You know, if I start now and I'm having these kind of results and I'm, you know, I got the ball rolling, it's only gonna get better. And I'm still learning along the way. Like, you know how you mentioned you had um I told forgot her name excuse me for that but you had her on your podcast and she told you yeah about um like the credit i'm gonna have to watch that because it's just i'm learning every single day so i am i guess a expert in my field but i'm still learning i'm not like new in this i'm experienced but i'm still learning every single day
0: And I think that is very, i use the word mensch. You know what a mensch is? No, no no idea. Okay, so a mensch, and I hope I'm right here, but I believe it's a Yiddish term that means a good person. You're a mensch. You've done something nice. In essence, it's sort of like you pay for the person behind you in line at Starbucks. You're a mensch for doing that. It's a Yiddish term used in the Jewish culture. Why I bring that up is I think you're a mensch for bringing up the fact that you don't know it all. I've talked about that on this show for a long time about you don't know it all. You need to always be learning because if you're always educating yourself, you're always staying relevant with today's changes. You're always updating your brain, which I think is beneficial for your mental health and also your physical health. But to say on this public podcast that thousands of people listen to that you are always learning in my opinion if i had credit problems you know i'm going to say this too even though i love you this far god forbid i have credit problems you know I would call you because I hear the honesty in your voice. I hear the integrity in your voice. I hear that you're doing this to help people. And it seems like you love what you're doing, the way you talk about this kind of thing. And yeah, her name is Alicia Forrest. She's the VP of Consumer Lending for Lake Michigan Credit Union. They have locations in Michigan and in Florida, but they have just won tremendous awards for their rates and other things. So she really breaks down. So it honestly would be a great episode for you to listen to. It's episode 21. So moving forward, forward, what are the costs associated with this? When someone says, hey, you know, when I was younger, I went to Germany for a little, maybe they were studying abroad and I completely forgot I had a credit card. What are the costs associated with using your services?
1: So, What I always like to start off with, just so it's no pressure, no obligation on anybody, and it kind of also weeds out the people from, like, the, I guess, the window shoppers to the waster timers kind of people. You know, I understand everyone has their budget, but the best way to start with me is to book a consultation. So I charge... You know i guess this podcast price i'll give anyone watching the podcast if they mention i'll give them a you know way better price but i usually charge it can be anywhere from like 150 to 180 you know for a consultation depending on like how really busy we are as a company um and it's because we also get booked like most of the year like but basically for anyone watching this podcast i charge 135 for a consultation and the consultation not only consults you on how you can proceed with your credit the way it is without spending a single dollar on any money with me after the consultation, you gain a lot of knowledge based off of your case scenario because everyone's different. Everyone's credit is... um you know, different in a million different ways. It's so complex that no two people have the same exact stuff on their credit unless they have no credit. Uh, that's the only way anyone would have like the same credit. But basically, we start off with the cost of the consultation. And the consultation, not only do I consult them on every single person I speak to, I go over all of their positives, all of their negatives. And then I start with the most minimal thing that we can get removed and then move on to the major stuff and just start quoting them and telling them how they can fix it along the way. Anyone can dispute items on their own. It just comes down to the time and I guess experience you have, you know. But a lot of people that come me are business owners. People that don't have the time, uh, they have the money. They just don't have the time to sit there themselves and dispute stuff with the bureaus.
0: And I think, uh, interrupting you for a second, I think too they're paying for your knowledge for, sure. for your expertise. For sure. It's sort of the same thing where, you know, we're not canceling debt at our office. We're putting you into a resolution with the government, whether that is an offer and compromise where you do settle for pennies on the dollar, whether that's putting you in an installment agreement. People pay us, they say all the time, Well, you know, this is the resolution I want. Well, of course we all want that golden ticket, but it's all about what you look like on paper. It's all about how much you make, how much you spend, what your assets are, what your expenses are? How much money do you have coming in? And I bring that up to say that people that are hiring, I guess, for instance, both you and I, they are hiring us and our teams because we have the knowledge. We know how to navigate the mucky waters, us with the government, you with the creditors and the credit bureaus. So I think that when people have a problem at their home with their plumbing or with their electrical, sure, they can do it by themselves but hopefully they're not going to flood their house. Hopefully they're not going to burn their house down and, you know, keep tripping something in their electrical wiring. So I think that they pay for that time and that experience and also the comfort of going to sleep at night knowing that these issues are being handled by the best of the best and, and the experts in their respective fields. So getting more deeper into it, is the cost varied upon how big or small The task is that you have to do, for instance, if it's something little from a credit report that they want removed versus if it's something big like a bankruptcy and it's going to take you longer to do so or to try to do so. Is that sort of how... The cost yes. breakdown works for yes, yes. something like that?
1: Exactly what you said. They pay for my time and effort. So if something requires more time, more effort, and more skill, that costs more. Like, uh, to give you an idea, someone has a heart inquiry, right? Hard inquiries, I charge, it can be as low as like $70 a heart inquiry, and it can be anywhere up to like $90 per heart inquiry. It really ranges and that's like the one of the cheaper things you can get done and then lay payments are a lot more but lay payments it really varies it can be anywhere from like a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars per item but every single person's case is different that's why i really recommend If someone was serious about getting their credit, like I guess uh, so-called repaired, they start with a consultation because at least after the consultation, you not only know what you're in for, but you're not obligated to anything. That's like the beauty of it, you know? Uh, Not only do you leave the consultation educated, but you also leave not obligated to have to do anything and you kind of know where you're at with your credit and what you can expect as far as even getting approvals. Like if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, look, I want to get a house in two months, and I see their credit report I can tell them if they're going to get the house in two months, most likely, you know, based off what I see, because obviously the lender is going to be pulling their credit as well. And they're going to be looking at a good amount of what I go over. And that really, my finance, um, I guess, experience really helps with that with my finance firm, because I look at credit reports all the time. So I know what people judge credit reports based off. I know like the kind of criteria. It's pretty complex, but I know exactly what it looks at. And I can share, you know, whichever part you want me to share, like, I guess, uh, tips and stuff on how someone can... um, you know, improve their credit, what to look out for. I can definitely help out that as well. I want to ask you one question and then
0: we'll jump into that. And that one question is, why do you think the credit repair industry has such a, I don't want to say a bad name, but rather a shady name to it? Because from this episode and what we've talked about, everything is black and white. You use your resources, your knowledge to go and Dispute a uh, reporting on someone's credit, whether it's got incorrect information, whether it's old, whatever the case may be. It seems pretty black and white. Why do you think that this connotation has been put on this industry?
1: The reason I'm going to tell you is why I get so many clients. Not only do they like the honesty, but I just tell them how it is. I have no reason to lie because if I lie, I have nothing good to look forward to. You know, I live in, uh, you know, I go to sleep in peace. I wake up in peace. Like it, it is what it is, and and that's it. You know, uh, but basically, yeah. uh, to make it plain and simple. A a lot of these other credit repair companies, not only do people get scammed because you don't really don't know what the person is doing. Like, you know, you don't know if your stuff's getting worked on after you pay them. So I don't know how other credit repair companies work, but basically one, how do you even trust the person that it's extremely sensitive information? First of all, second, how do you even know you're... Anything's getting worked on after you even paid the person. There's nothing really you have to go based off of after you paid the person that's doing it. But the worst thing out there right now, I guess it's good and bad, but if the worst thing with a dishonest company is a lot of Companies are charging people on a monthly basis. So they charge like it could be fifty dollars a month or a hundred dollars a month or two hundred dollars a month. And these companies are basically doing like a subscription based credit repair. So they're locking these clients into a monthly payment. But like I can tell you this right now, and I tell my clients if someone says, Oh yeah, let's do this monthly, I'm gonna take off your bankruptcy and we'll do it with monthly payments. Do you know how much money it would cost? That would take five years of monthly payments for it to cover the cost of how much it takes to dispute uh, bankruptcy in a proper and successful manner. Like it's not possible with monthly payments like these. But the clients just think, oh, yeah, you know, it's a hundred dollars a month. Who cares? Like a hundred dollars a month is, you know, it depends who it is. But, you know, a hundred dollars a month is minimal. You know, whatever, I'll pay and I'm going to hope for the best. This guy's going to work on their report. But these people aren't hoping for the best. They're thinking just because they're locking into that subscription, they're getting this stuff removed the amount of month people are paying monthly there's no way these companies are actually going to do the work and get this stuff cleaned up for you for that minimal amount of money but the way i charge is i make it simple i have the consultation i tell them how much each item is going to be to cost and i need the payment up front and that's it but a lot of these companies they kind of lure their clients in by saying hey look we'll charge you x amount monthly but they won't say for how many months like it can be ongoing for it's like you're tied in for life and The client ever tries to go to the company and say, Hey, look, it's been eight months, nothing's off. They're going to say, Oh, look, I told you it wasn't guaranteed, you know, and that's how you get. Robbed with a smile on your face almost. You know It's terrible, but it happens every single day. So if anyone, I mean, you don't have to work with me, but if anyone is looking for a credit repair, just if someone tries to charge you on a monthly basis, just stay away from it. I know it might be expensive, yeah. and a lot of stuff is expensive when it comes to credit. You know, It's easy to mess up. It's hard to fix. That's the harsh truth of it. But try to stay away from these monthlies. It's never a good idea because you're locked in for life. And then the day you try to go to the person and say, hey, look, it's been like a year I've been paying you monthly... They'll say, "Look, we're still working on it," and then maybe they'll do something because now, like you know, that you put them on the spot, and then they have to, you know, take action for something at least, so you don't flip out like crazy.
0: Yeah, to me, from an outsider perspective, it seems as if you know every business nowadays. I feel like everyone wants to have a subscription-based business because it allows for that recurring revenue every month. But for something like this, it's crazy to me that someone would see such a low cost. And I guess it's appealing because of the low cost per month. But at the same time, like you said, they have to have huge volume of people in order to actually have the manpower to do the work to and do complete the work. the work. It's easy to take the money. It's yeah. hard to
1: do the work. Like it's so appealing. Yeah. Imagine someone has a late payment and a late payment they've been dying to get off. It's been emotionally harming them and obviously financially. And someone tells them, look, for $100 a month, I'll take care of it. You know, they're going to pay the $100 a month. You're going to forget that you're even paying the $100 a month. And now you're upset because six, seven months, eight months later, the person probably hasn't even worked on it. That's the worst part. You can't work like that. You have to, if someone's going to do the work, you have to, I always say this, like to me and my friends, I say you got to pay to play. Like, you can't expect major work to come out with minimal payment it's just not possible it's like you know if it's too good to be true it probably is and especially with your credit it's too sensitive information for you to really cheap out on it you might as well Absolutely. if you want to take like a foot forward and get it worked on you might as well just pay and that's the best way of putting it it makes sense
0: what you're saying and i think that you know if you're going to take something away from this conversation and you're going to try and find someone to repair your credit that's not Karam. then know that it's a red flag if you're having a meeting with someone and they're trying to charge you on a monthly basis it seems like it's a red flag. But now, moving forward and sort of pivoting, I want to talk about what you said tips, right? A lot of the listeners, like I've said now over and over again, are of that younger generation. And for instance, I've been fortunate enough to live in a home that has had financial literacy implemented in my head, being third generation in a tax business, we see it all, right? Whether it's the bad credit, the good credit, the people spending out of their means, the people that have a ton sitting in the bank have a ton of assets. I've really got to understand financial literacy in its whole. But for instance, my girlfriend, she is not as financial Literate as I am, and so I teach her things every day as much as possible. You know, she's starting her own business right now, and I'm super proud of her for that. But it's just teaching her: you got to get a bank account, you got to form an LLC. Do you want it to be an S corp? How do you want to structure it? Uh, what's the end goal for you? So all those different kinds of things in terms of a business. But I definitely want you to talk about some tips and I guess the secret sauce as much as you can. Obviously, this is what you do for yeah. a living, so not too much of it. That's why they're going to hire you. But about your tips, first someone that's just getting out of college that's starting you know they're getting a salary now first time in their life how can they go about building their credit so when that time does come and they do want to buy that house they're not going to be shitting themselves saying holy shit what's my credit looking like did i f it up when i was younger how can they start off on the right foot now in your perspective
1: so the first step you want to do is and a lot of people sometimes they only know what their credit score is when it's time to buy something a lot of people are so clueless they don't even know what their credit is you know which is it doesn't matter for people that have just pay everything in full but you know a lot of people aren't like that including myself no matter mo- how much money you have you always I feel like it's important to have credit and then have somewhat good credit as well Facts. so stop for a
0: second. Everyone take that in.
1: I think that's something
0: that, you know, there's a lot of these financial gurus out there, not to interrupt you, but that say, you know, no debt, pay with cash, this and that. I think that's all fake news in my opinion. And I have a disclaimer in the beginning of the episode for you and I's benefit for sure for our protection. But at the end of the day, in my opinion, that's fake news. Why would I use my own money when I can Take someone else's money, a lender's money, with a small percentage on top of that. I'd rather do that all day long and use my money to make more money. For sure,
1: yeah. It's all about cash flow too. At the same time, because you know, you never know when you're gonna have a hiccup in life. But if you finance something, at least now you're not coughing up all your money. And God forbid your business has a hiccup or you lose your job for whatever reason. You know, you have a little bit of leeway. You have, you don't have no money in the bank. You don't have no money saved up. You know, for you to get out of that little, like uh, I guess, a little mess you're in. And it happens. You know, life's full of surprises so you always have to be prepared for everything. I mean, the only I actually I'll I'll leave that for another time. But basically, it was like an example that I was going to kind of relate to myself as far as like, you know, with the cash flow thing. But that's more like an accountant thing, you know, not really like a credit thing. Yeah. Go into some tips if you could. For sure. So first thing I would recommend everyone to do is, you know, make an account for all three of the bureaus. I mean, you don't have to do it for all three. You can just do it for Experian. But when you have an account for Experian, not only will you be able to see what your current score is, you'll also be able to see your report and it might take a few minutes but this few minutes will go a long way in in the rest of your life so you want to download your credit report and then just look at it look at it yourself see if everything's accurate because something's inaccurate the sooner you take it off the better it is otherwise it'll just be inaccurate for a long time and it'll hold back your score but that's the first thing you want to do get your credit report check for any errors see make sure everything's correct make sure your social on there is correct make sure all the names addresses all the accounts are actually your and there's not another person's account that was reported on your report by accident because that does happen, especially if you have a similar name, if you have a common name like someone else, like if someone's reporting something on a credit report, it can maybe report on yours by accident, you know, to your name, to your address, you know, messes like that do happen. Um, Next thing is, if you don't have a credit card and you don't know where to start, the first thing I would recommend is apply for a secured credit card. There's a great company called Self Lender. What Self Lender is is they are a company that gives credit builder loans are called so every single month they will take out x amount of money out of your bank account every single month and then they will put it into a little savings portal they have for you the act of them pulling out that money out of your account every single month will get reported on your credit bureau as if you made a positive payment but all you're really doing is taking money out of your account and then it's going into a little savings portal they have for you And the act of them doing that shows as you made a positive payment and it builds your credit history that way. If you really don't know where to start and you don't think you'll be able to get approved for a credit card just yet, that's the first thing you want to start off with that secured account. And then I was going to also say something else about that as well. Oh, you're probably wondering what's the catch, right? They do charge a fee. Let's say like for me, when I first started, I had them take out 150 bucks a month uh, that's like on the high side you can have them take out as low as even 30 bucks a month but i had them take out more just so when creditors look at my report they see oh look this person took something worth 150 dollars a month and paid it back every single month you know let's approve him for something that is a few hundred dollars a month it becomes lesser risk for them if they already saw me do it before but that's definitely the first step i would take for your credit and once you have that for a few months then you want to apply for a credit card one thing i recommend and this is huge by the way uh one thing i recommend for people never to sign up for is a store credit card like sears macy's home depot what else like guitar center michael's you know like any kind of um store card never retail store yeah never only want to go straight for a bank card never a retail store the reason why is from my experience from seeing all these credit reports i'll give you this one um example this guy uh that i had a consultation with just a few months ago he had a home depot credit card for 25 years and 25 years later he started off with like i think it was like a thousand dollars or something but 25 years later you know a limit home depot gave him 2500 bucks so imagine being with wow. a company for 25 years, just to have a $2,500 limit. It's not really, you know, that's not good at all. If you were a Chase bank for 25 years, you'd probably have like a $40,000 limit by then. You know, if you have a Chase credit card, you showed them that you made positive payments for 25 years, you're getting an, it'll be solid. You're going to get a huge limit, good rates by that point. But if you are, With a store card, you're never getting that far. So whatever incentive they give you to sign up for the card is not worth it in the long run. Because let's say if you say, look, I only signed up because they gave me 30% off. As soon as you close that account, your credit score is going to go down. Whenever you close that account, it's like shooting yourself in the foot and you can't walk anymore. You're basically killing all future credibility that would have came from that account. And then your score goes down like 20, 30 points, depending on how the credit bureau is feeling that month. But then your score goes down as well when you do close the account.
0: Wow, that's crazy. No, and those are all great tips. I completely agree with you. The store credit cards, the retail stores like a Saks, a Home Depot, a Marshalls, a Macy's, all that. Again, it's all BS in my opinion. Well, it's not BS where, you know, you're not actually gonna get any credit from them, but in the sense where you said, you know, the perks are horrible in my opinion, unless you, you have a shopping addiction. But other than that, you know, if you have a business and you need to buy products from their store, that's a different story. But, you know, I think that it's all relevant. to each person's situation and it's a little bit different but you know what all these things we've talked about they're all educational they're all informational and they're all something that's gonna help someone whether they have bad credit whether they have good credit whether someone in their family is in need of a credit guru like yourself and so with that being said do you have some contact information you would like to give to the listeners and I appreciate you offering them a discount if they come from listening to the podcast so you guys, you hear that? We're always showing you love, always trying to help you out as much as possible. But what's your contact info for all of them?
1: So you can contact me straight from my phone number or my email. I'd always recommend to you know text me first just in case if I am on a consultation. So my email, I'll start with that. My email is creditrepairsource365 at gmail.com. Uh, you can message me straight on there. And then what you'll probably expect back as a response, let's say if you message me regarding whatever, I'm probably going to lead towards, hey, let's start with the consultation because I'm very backed up, especially for any client that comes from this podcast or from like motor groups or, or anything like that. I always do the consultations personally. I have a lot of employees that work for me, but you know, for people that come from here, I want them to get the best care as possible. So I would personally do the consultation myself, review the consultation myself, and do most of the work myself too when it comes time to. So you can reach me on my email, creditorpayersource or 365 at gmail.com. And you can also text me straight on my cell. It's 347 633 Eight eight nine eight. Again, that's a uh, three four seven six three three eight eight nine eight, and my name's uh, Karam. And just so you all know, number one, Moda groups. If you don't
0: know what Moda Facebook groups are, I don't know. You're missing out on a lot of missed opportunities. But every single person when I typed in credit repair referred him to others that were in need of their services. That's how I found him. And I think this topic is one that people either they need, but keep in mind, he does credit consulting too. So he can help you with building your credit. He can help you if you have a blemish on your credit that you want to try and dispute. He can do a majority of things, but he sounds like he's a good resource to go to if you need or have any questions with your credit. And the consultation doesn't seem like it's too expensive. And like he said, that's worth an investment. Don't look for the cheapest option with something like your credit. Your credit is one of the most essential tools in your entire adult life. It's even insurance companies now are looking at your risk based on your credit score. What is their credit? Are they going to be a high risk, a low risk? How are they living their life? It's crazy how much credit is used in your everyday life as an adult. So make sure you contact him for all your credit needs. And thank you so much, Karam, for extending yourself out there for the best of the best listeners. They appreciate that. And I'll thank you on behalf of them. And for the last question of the interview, and this is one, how old are you, Karam? I'm 22. Oh, You're my age. Okay. So, you know, usually, well, I should say that I'm 23, but, you know, usually I end the podcast with saying, what do you wish you knew when you were in your early 20s? But like myself, you're in your early 20s. So shout out to the young hustler mentality and that motivation. And it seems like you're doing great and you're killing it. So I'll ask you a different question. If someone came to you and they said, hey, I am looking to do the number one thing I can to help repair my credit? We'll use that as our any question since you are a young 22-year-old. What is the number one thing they can do? Would that be to schedule a consultation with you? Where would the first step be?
1: Well, I mean, that would really come from knowing what's wrong with their credit. Because I can't repair anything without seeing what's wrong. It's like, you know, crashing your car and calling a mechanic and say, hey, like how much is it gonna be to fix my car? The mechanic won't know if your radiator is messed up or if just your bumper's messed up, you know? Like it's a two- the price difference is huge if just a new bumper compared to the whole radiator, even though they're pretty close to each other, you know, it can make a, a huge difference. So it's almost like that. Like as a vague answer, I guess you can say if they do have any unsecured balances, meaning if they owe any credit cards money, I would start off by paying those off that's like the first thing you can do to help yourself get your utilization rate meaning how much your total you owe that on unsecured cards like as in like credit cards I would try to get that lower. That's the first step you can take yourself. But that's really where the consultation helps them because I can look at their exact case and see exactly what they need and what they can do to fix it. You know, I know it might cost money to do a consultation. It's 135 bucks. I mean, it's not much considering the knowledge you get out of it. You know, you'll gain, I'm sure, priceless information from having it. You know, at least you have a clue on what to do. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty it's much It's a it. place
0: to start. It's money well spent. Put it that way. It's money well spent. Your credit is everything. I won't say it again. I sound like a broken record, but it's a money well spent. With that being said, Karam, I want to thank you for your time and your effort in explaining all of these things. And again, hats off to you for being on that grind at such a young age. There's very few of us out there. And for those that are, we're the difference makers. We're the leaders. We're the best of the best. And, you know, I'll see you at the top, man. You're yeah. absolutely killing it. And once again, shout out to the Moda Group. They're awesome. So for sure, you know, with that being said, thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you Can't wait for everyone to listen to this. Yeah,
1: my pleasure. Yeah, i'm super excited I mean, I feel like it can help a ton of people because especially now with the way the economy is heading Let's say if they do raise the interest rates like they probably are gonna do You know how right now the interest rates are low So even with someone with bad credit, they can still get a somewhat good interest rate But let's say if they do hike the interest rates Your credit is gonna be the determining factor if you're gonna get the lower range out of the high interest rates or the higher range. So, you know, the economy is very shaky right now, as we all know, and probably going to get better before it gets worse. But how you can come on top is by having the good credit and caring about your credit and, um, you know, treating it as a valuable, um, you know, thing it is. That's the only way you'll come out on top in any scenario, really put it, you know, with our economies heading in America.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, thank you so much, Kram. Appreciate you and hope to talk to you soon. I
1: appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me
0: that conversation that he and i just had not only was so interesting to me but i found it so educational because while i host a show that teaches the shit that's not taught in school there's so much about credit and credit repair that's just an unknown topic unless you are physically doing this for a living, I think it's so hard to know the ins and outs and the randomness of it. But nonetheless, it's very important info to know. It's important to educate yourself to learn about these things. And as you go through life, you'll start to experience and see why credit is actually so important. And like I said, in the beginning of the interview, if you go to episode 21, you can listen to my interview with Alicia Force, who is the VP of Consumer Lending at a major credit union in America and she breaks down credit in a basic terms through a banking or a credit union's perspective so just if you want to do a double whammy and go listen to both of them I think they interact and there's a lot of synergy between the two of them and you know what I always sign off by saying leading by example some of you may be like okay just sweep it under the rug because you hear it every week but Really take into your heart what that means. Leading by example. We live in a world filled with craziness, whether that's online, people in the comment section, cancel culture. Let's try to change the society instead of being. I don't wanna say always so negative because it's not always so negative, but let's try and change it for the better. And I think one way to do that is by leading by example. And what does that mean? What does it mean to lead by example? Leading by example means taking the unwalked path. Yes, that might sound cliche, but in my opinion, it's true. You gotta pave your own path. You have to do the right thing. You have to present and represent yourself in the best way possible but an honest way a transparent way don't be someone that isn't truthful don't be someone that isn't honest be someone that people recognize and they say oh wow that's a great person that's an honest person they're transparent they're hard-working be that person and while you're leading while you're doing all of those things help others along the way it's important you see someone that maybe you see the potential in themselves but they don't see it in themselves Help them along. Tell them, tell them what they're good at. Tell them what they can do better. Those types of things that constructive criticism can really go the extra mile for some people. So please, please, please do that. Always lead by example. And as always, if you need tax help, whether that's filing your taxes, whether you have an audit, whether you have a question about taxes or whether you owe the IRS or state some money, that's what we do. And when I say we, that's what my family's company does. We are a team of specialized tax experts to help you resolve those issues. We also have a boutique accounting firm. So visit the website, levytaxhelp.com or 800 tax levies, our phone number, but sometimes credit and taxes goes hand in hand. So make sure that you are reaching out and seeking the help you need, whether that's with today's guest, whether that's with us with your taxes, whatever it may be, you know that this show is a resource where we have people on every single week, every single month that are there to help you along, to help you with these life skills that are a necessity. And last but not least, make sure you tell a friend about this podcast because I guarantee that you all have peers, coworkers, friends, family, cousins, friends of friends that will learn something from this show. So lead by example by helping them better themselves. And with all that being said, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the best of the best Maverick's Guide to Success.